This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Good to see you guys at church today. If you're here for the very first time, I want to say hello to you. My name is Landon. My wife Kelly and I have the honor of pastoring this church, and we're so glad you are here, especially if it's your first time. Church, say hello to those that are with us for the first time. Glad you're at church today. How many of you would say God is up to something around here? How many would agree with that statement? I know we've already finished Legacy Season, uh, the Legacy Series we did, but honestly, it's what's on our hearts and minds all the time is the concept of legacy, that subject matter. And so I want to revisit it real quick because you guys uh, have just really seen what God can do and you've latched onto it in a really big way. And if you're new around here, I'll tell you, we just ended a, a season we call Legacy where uh, we go through how can we make a major impact in the lives of other people collectively, make a big splash all at one time together um, that will have ripple effects for generations. And uh, we took up a legacy offering at the end of that series. The goal was $50,000. I announced to you last week that we had gone up to 118,000, and you guys are, are just like, you're not wanting the offering to end because now it's at 122,000. And so what God is doing is incredible. Uh, so God's up to something huge because uh, we just have seen the hand of God on that whole process, uh, and our architect and developer and engineer are flying down here on the 21st in walking the land with us for the first time, meeting with us for three or four hours. They met with their whole team and already went through a 19-page questionnaire we filled out in May uh, from all the team leaders. We compiled all the information, made a 19-page report, uh, and they met with their whole staff with all of our answers on the board, and they're building the building based on what we put in that report. Um, and so we don't know if we'll have the sketches for that on the 21st, but they've already started that process um, and the Vice President of Site Selection for Lionheart Christian Academy will be coming the 1st of January. Uh, so God is doing some incredible things. Just wanted to give you an update. Can we thank God again for his faithfulness? Well, you know, I don't want to sound self-serving, but it does serve as a great illustration to start off the sermon, which all preachers will do. Today's my birthday. And so what we get to do... Uh, what we get to do is use that as an illustration. So what we do on birthdays, right, is we blow out candles and we, we make a wish uh, and then you hope it comes true. We've all done that uh, before and we've blown out, unless they're the sparkly candles, um, and then those go real fast so you can't really blow them out. Uh, but the normal candles, we blow those out, we make a wish, and it brought to mind this question. If you could wish for anything knowing that it would 100% happen, what would it be? If you could wish for anything, knowing it would happen, what would you wish for? You might be thinking, I'd, I would wish for more money. I'd, I'd, I'd wish for more money. I'd, I'd wish for a husband. I'd wish for a better husband. I'm just kidding. You know, so I'd, I'd wish for fame. I'd wish for a wife. I'd wish for a yacht. I'd wish for, I don't know what you'd wish for, but... I want to show you something today from the New Testament that is incredibly important to me. We're starting a brand new series today called Missing Peace. Everybody say, Missing Peace. 
Now, as we go through this series, um, it will end on Christmas Eve in two very beautiful and special Christmas services that morning, so you can have the rest of the day with your families. Uh, Christmas Eve morning, it'll, that series will end, and I, it's a beautiful series. And today, I, I can't tell you how much this topic means to me, personally. There's a story in the New Testament that's very important to me, and it's, a, it's Christmas season, so the angels came to announce the birth of Christ. Who remembers what the angels said? The angels said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Everybody say peace. peace. Yeah, come on, beat the first service. Say peace. peace. I know the first service is morning, people. Y'all are the late, the late folks. You got to wake up a little bit. When Jesus would talk to people coming and going, he'd say, peace be with you. Or go in peace. Paul would often say in his, his writings, grace and peace be with you. He didn't say grace and popularity. He didn't say grace and riches. He didn't say grace and a stacked 401k. He said what most people, I would say every person in life wants, and that's peace. Say peace. It's real, we're talking about real peace. We're talking about soul level, deep peace. We're not talking about circumstantial, hey, things are working out right now. Let's just ride this train as long as we can. We're talking about actual soul level peace, a peace that the world can't even understand, a peace that we have a hard time comprehending, even as believers, if you're a believer in the room. We have a hard time even understanding peace, but you can have money in the bank and not have peace in your heart. You can have a success outwardly but have a storm inside. You, you, can have, you can be married and have what you've been wanting your whole life in, in a person and not have peace in your home. We can have what we've been wanting, begging God for, we finally use our own, our own grit to get it and it doesn't bring us what we thought it would. I had a conversation with someone uh, within the last couple of weeks, and they're in their mid-70s, and I've known them for over a decade, and they've been working their entire life in a very successful industry to get what they've always wanted, the dream that they always wanted, and now they've got the dream, they've retired, they've got the dream, they're living out everything they wanted to live out on paper, but they are so angry because they are alone, frustrated, and depressed. You can sit in church for 40 years, and not ask God what he wants you to do later and end up without peace. End up without peace. I think that there's a lot of us in the room that are living life without peace. We want peace, but what do we get? We get the opposite. We, we have tension. We have fear. We have anxiety because you have a heartbeat and you live with other humans. So there's always going to be a disagreement. There's always going to be a fight. There's always going to be a misunderstanding uh, there's always going to be uh, hurt feelings, unforgiveness that could even lead into something deeper like bitterness. But what we all want in life is peace and not the fake Miss America world peace, not fake peace. I'm talking about real soul level peace that only God can give. Today's message is entitled, Is Peace Even Possible? Is this even possible? Is this actually something that we can even go for? Is peace actually legitimate? 
And is it actually able to be attained? I want to show you uh, one of my favorite scriptures in Isaiah. In a, and Isaiah was saying this in a season of upheaval, much like today. That was filled with a lot of anxiety and frustration, unsettledness. The prophet Isaiah uh, prophesied in the middle of a, a cultural turmoil where people were being murdered for their faith. And not just murdered for their faith, their children and wives were being murdered in front of them. And then they killed the person. And so there was torture and then ending their life just because of faith. And then Isaiah shows up and says, there's going to be a day of unbridled worship. And they're like, what? What are you talking about? There's going to be a day where you're filled with peace. There's going to be a day where there's passion and praise in public. And they're like, this guy's off his rocker. There's no way. Is he seeing what we are seeing? Look at Isaiah 26, 1 through 4. And that day, everyone in the land of Judah will sing this song. And they're like, okay, whatever. Number one, that's a tall order. Number one, do you, are you here where we are? Do you see what we're seeing? And there's no way we can sing anything. Like, so already, they're, they're not tracking with him. He says, we're going to be able to sing this song that our city is strong. And they're like, what? We're, we're going we're to sing that we're surrounded by the walls of God, of salvation. And they, there was no protection at that time. We're going to be able to sing, open up the gates to all who are righteous, meaning the right relationship with God, and it, it open, up, uh, open up the heavens over us, allow the faithful to enter, is the attitude here. It's this, we're protected, the walls of God around salvation, let people in. It was opposite mindset. Look at verse 3. You will keep in, say it out loud, peace, perfect peace, all who trust. In you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. Now, I love this promise. I want this promise. I, I need this promise. The promise of perfect peace. Say that again. Say perfect peace. The promise of perfect peace. Not circumstantial happiness perfect peace. Now, I love Isaiah's promise where he says, you will be kept. You'll be kept in perfect peace. Not you will get a little bit of it. Not that God's going to give you like a little steroid shot of peace. Like you're going to be kept in it. You're going to be wrapped in it. You will be kept in perfect peace. But I am much more familiar with imperfect peace. Anybody else? What about inconsistent peace? Haphazard peace. Whatever you want to call it. In one moment I can be like, God, I'm trusting you. And then we use all these scriptures that we misquote out of context. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. And everyone's like, that's weird and gross. doesn't make any sense. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You will make a way where there seems to be no way. God, God, you are incredible. The wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. And Lord, did you see me this week? I am so righteous. God, did you Robin Hood people and pour it into our building fund? And I can have those moments. And then there's another moment where you read that one email or you get that one phone call. We have that one conversation. It's something that you didn't even ask for that came into your eye gate, ear gate, whatever it was, it came into your vicinity, and now you're like, God, where'd you go? Like, you're, God, I'm trusting you, and then you log into your bank account, and you're like, what? Why have you forsaken me? 
It's inconsistent peace. It's circumstantial peace. I'm so much more familiar in my life with inconsistent peace. And I will tell you that what has happened in the American church is that we've gotten so good at inspiration, we have forgotten about peace. And you can't inspire your way out of depression. You can't, you can't like shout your way out of anxiety. There, and if you missed last week's sermon on reflection, that is one of the big things you can do to bring peace to your life. But I, I remember reading this word, I wanted to share it with you. It's the, it's the Hebrew word for peace, which most of us might know is the word shalom. It means wholeness, completeness, a fullness of peace. I mean, it's complete. Like we just say the word peace in English, but like some of you, you know, were in the 70s, peace meant something else. You know, it's like, so we, like this word has a lot of different definitions for us in the Western world. But to a Middle Eastern cultural family, when they said shalom, when you entered their home and they said shalom, when you entered someone's home and you said shalom, you were praying a blessing of complete and total peace that confounds everyone. It's deeper. It's more beautiful. It's a big word. Peace in every way. Peace with God. And yes, peace even with yourself. That that dark spot in your past that you're so ashamed of, knowing that you're in the right relationship with God now that you've made peace with that past. It's shalom. And what's interesting to me in the original Hebrew text of this verse, I had to go dig out some old uh, Hebrew Bibles and textbooks from college and look it up. I thought maybe it was a misprint uh, from what I was reading online, but it wasn't. It says, you will be kept in shalom, shalom. It says it twice. You will be kept in Shalom, shalom. It's an emphatic statement in Hebrew. One shalom wasn't good enough. We got to have two shaloms. And with look, the throaty, shalom. You got to have two of those. Give me two of those. It's this like complete surrounding by God. It's a double portion of his perfect peace that you can be kept in. Sounds good. Sounds good. We all want that. We all want that perfect peace. But to be clear, peace does not mean you won't have trouble. And peace certainly does not mean you won't have problems. Because you're a human and you live around other humans. And there's always going to be something going after your peace. It doesn't mean if you have God's perfect peace that your car won't break down. It doesn't mean that if you have God's perfect peace that... Your kids will stop fighting and become angels that just love each other so deeply. It doesn't mean that your spouse won't get on your nerves. You did the dishes wrong and you know you did. And you should have done hot dog, hot dog, hamburger instead of hamburger, hamburger, hot dog with those towels. You know you should have. That doesn't mean that all that stuff goes away. That's all still going to be there. But what shalom, shalom is, is the complete, perfect peace of God no matter what you're going through. It's a soul-level peace. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. It can only be found in the presence of God. It can only be found there. Peace is God's presence. Peace, perfect peace is God's perfect perspective. Perfect peace is God's assurance, even in the middle of problems. 
you can have perfect peace. God's peace is perfect. So how do we have peace? How do we have shalom, shalom when our marriage is in trouble? How do we have shalom, shalom? How do we have perfect peace when we just found out one of our children is on drugs? What do we do when we found out that there is pornography in our home? What do we do? How do we have perfect peace when we've been betrayed by someone who we trusted? How do we have perfect peace when our body hurts all the time and the doctors can't tell us why? How do we have perfect peace when we're sitting at the dining table wondering how we're going to pay these bills? So how do we experience shalom, shalom? Let me tell you this. The next four weeks, we're going to dig into it even more. But base number one we have to cover today is the battle for your peace begins in your mind. The battle for your peace is always between the ears. The Bible does not say, be ye transformed by the renewing of your heart. It doesn't say, be ye transformed by better behavior. It says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Even the word repentance doesn't have anything to do with your heart, has nothing to do with your feelings, has nothing to do with goosebumps at an altar call. The word repentance is a change of mind that you made as an adult because you know God is God and you are not. That I'm going to change my mind, that I am not him. I'm going to submit to him, that my desires need to line up with his. It's, it's this mindset that we've changed our mind. And I don't know about you, but I've had these wars in my mind before where you believe what God says about you, and you know that in your heart, but you have an easier time believing it for everyone else. But when it comes to you, you're your own worst enemy. Anybody else been there? You're like, you can tell everybody, hey, God's got a plan for you. God's got a purpose for you. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And you get home and you're like, man, I, I just, I, I don't know how I'm ever going to make it through this. And you just 20 minutes ago got someone else out of theirs. Like the enemy loves that we are his greatest asset to the peace in our mind. And we have to wonder uh, what he's up to there. Because what's going on in our mind is it's really, we really spiritually believe what God says, but the war is in our mind. And what happens in our mind controls our responses and reactions. I want to show you two different ways it says it in Isaiah 26.3. You will be kept in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You will be kept in perfect peace all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The next translation, you will be kept in perfect peace. Those whose minds are, say that word, steadfast, immovable, sturdy, dependable. You will be kept in perfect peace. All whose minds are steadfast. Notice Isaiah does not say perfect peace is there for all whose minds are fixed on world issues. You will be kept in perfect peace. All whose minds are fixed on CNN. And because I'm an equal opportunity offender, all whose minds are fixed on Fox News. I'm going to make sure I offend everyone equally today. All whose minds are fixed on what they are saying. It doesn't say that. It, 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 says, it doesn't say you, you have perfect peace when your mind is fixed on the future. It definitely doesn't say that you'll be kept in perfect peace if your mind is fixed on the past. In fact, what we read in Scripture is it says that God's perfect peace is in his presence, which is right now. 
But you and I live in the future, worried about the future because that's what we're reading and listening to. And they make money preying off your fear and anxiety for the future. And then we're watching the highlight reels of everyone's fake lives. And it makes us depressed about what we've done in the past. And so here we are being drawn and quartered by the future and the past when God said, my perfect peace is right now. You can't have perfect peace for the future unless you're experiencing what God wants you to experience right now and setting in order and having peace about what has happened back then by covering it with the blood of Jesus. We can have perfect peace, but it's only in the presence of God, focused on the truth of God. The word fixed there is the word samak, and it means to lean on completely. To, to fully rest oneself. And, and not just the, like, hey, I'm thinking about it a lot. Or, or you know, as, 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 you know, more things have gotten popular, people are like, oh, I've been meditating on. And that, that doesn't really mean what they think it means. Um, I, it, it's, no, it's fixed. It's to lean completely. Like if you were leaned back on someone and they let go of you, you're going to fall. A complete leaning upon, a to fully rest oneself. Like you're trusting the chair that you're sitting in right now. You are samaking right now with that chair. You are completely trusting that those chairs are legitimate for you to sit on. You didn't test the chair before you sat down, did you? You didn't look for the manufacturer. You didn't see if it was made in America. You didn't do any of that. You just sat down. It's you trust that you are on that chair. It's the same thing with the truth of God. The Bible could literally say, based on what we know from these words, that you will be kept in perfect peace when your mind is leaning fully on God. You'll be kept in perfect peace when your thoughts are resting fully on God's unfailing promises. But we can't rest fully on God's unfailing promises if we don't know what they are. And if we don't know what God's unfailing promises are, then we can't rest on them and quote them and petition God for an answer based on the promises that he said he will honor in his word. So I want to ask you, what is your mind fixed on? What are you completely focused on? Let me say it another way. What consumes your mind? Let's make it more, attain, uh, more grabbable here. What does your mind drift to? What does your mind drift to? When you feel like you're getting lost in thought, what do you get lost in thought about? What are you, what are you drifting to? What, is your mind drifting towards the things you're concerned about, worried about? What is your mind drifting to? Is it financial worry? Is it political division? Is it what's going on in the world right now? Is it what God says? What are you drifting to? So what do we do about this? Because if the battle for peace begins in our mind, and the Bible has been very clear that the only way to be kept in perfect peace is to have your thoughts fixed, completely fixed on God. Let's look at Philippians 4. Fix your thoughts on what is, say the bold ones out loud, on what is, what is, what is, what is, and what is, and what is. Now, I don't know about you, but think about in the last 48 hours, have you turned on the television and found something that was 100% true or honorable or right 
That's not right or left. That's not a political word. It just means the correct. What is pure? What is lovely? I mean, other than Texas destroying Oklahoma State yesterday, what is admirable? Think about things that are, say it out loud, excellent and then the God of peace will be with you. Everything before the then is up to you. God can't do that for you. He won't do that for you. Everything after the then is all him. But you and I do this backwards. We try to like create peace. And we try to like connect with God in all these different ways. And we buy a bunch of different devotionals and we do all these different things, but we're still fixing our thoughts on what every political pundit has to say. We still fix our thoughts on the things that invoke fear into our home. And so it's trying to like drink a nice glass of water while someone's pouring vinegar in the other side. It will never refresh you. It will never work. It's dirty. It's, it's tainted. But if we fix our minds on what is true and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable, excellent, worthy of praise. When we fix our minds on that, God, God says, you will have perfect peace. So when are we at peace? It's simple. It's when our minds are fixed on him. And so what do we tell ourselves? What do we tell ourselves when we're not experiencing that peace? What do we tell ourselves? We tell ourselves the truth. If you don't know the truth, you can't tell yourself the truth. So we tell ourselves the truth. We say when we're experiencing a lack of peace or inconsistent peace or circumstantial happiness and not true joy, when we're, when we're experiencing uh, that, we can say in the middle of the storm, my God is good. And if sometimes that's the only words that can come out of your mouth, that statement alone makes hell shake. My God is good. My God is good. His promises are true. And his word never, ever fails. And if God would feed a sparrow, he's definitely going to take care of me. When we start to say things to ourselves like that, like when we're feeling alone, he never leaves me. He'll never forsake me. When I'm lost, he's my guide. When I'm weak, he's my strength. When I'm hurting, he's my comforter. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me from the love of Jesus Christ. And all of my anxiety, and all of my depression, and all of my worry, and in all of my fear, I can look at it and say, that may be circumstantially true, but my God has said, I am more than a conqueror in him. And what he says is more true than what I'm seeing with my eyes. We can say things like that to ourselves. And I'm telling you, it changes everything. Circumstances don't change. In fact, they might get worse. God's not a genie. It doesn't work that way. It, instead, of, in, instead of us succumbing to what we see, what if we started to speak truth into the atmosphere? What if we started to speak truth into the situation? And there is a peace that does not make sense to people who don't have Jesus. And there is a peace 
that people without Christ will never experience. Because in order to find perfect peace, you have to know personally the Prince of Peace. See, Jesus doesn't just give peace, He is it. He is peace. Without Him, everything you're trying is just a band-aid. It's, it's perfect peace. Because look at John 14, it says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give you as the world tries to give you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Jesus said, what peace? My peace. His peace. Peace is not found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of Jesus. There's a powerful story in the New Testament. The disciples are on a boat and a big storm shows up. I mean, waves crashing, loud, noisy. I don't know how Jesus did it. The disciples did all that they could do and they were freaking out. And they're looking for Jesus. No one can find him. Like they finally come to their senses. They're like, He's, where is he? Did he go overboard? Somebody goes down inside the belly of the, the boat and Jesus is taking a nap. I don't know how he did it, how he didn't fall off the bed or if he was on the ground, I don't know. But Jesus was taking a nap. And what we see is the disciples were not very nice. When you read the Bible, you gotta read it like real humans are in the story, because it was real. The disciples were not very nice. The disciples freaked out. The disciples were freaking out. There were two, two storms that day. There was the outside storm, the lightning, the wind, the waves, the crashing. There was the inside storm, the invisible storm. The disciples were going through that time. I don't know about you, but the storm on the inside is a lot harder to navigate than the circumstances on the outside. We can look inside or we can look outside to other people like we're okay, but inside there's lightning, waves, thunder. It's hard. The disciples were completely afraid. And the, dis the disciples said, literally, there were, I mean, hear their tone. The way they woke Jesus up. Imagine how beautiful you were sleeping this morning. And someone comes in and screams at you, do you even care? Would you wake up graceful and concerned about what they're going through? No, you want to throw punches. But they wake Jesus up. They shake Jesus like, do you even care? We've been jettisoning this cargo. We've, we've been trying everything we can to make sure we don't sink. And you're down here taking a nap. You've got to be kidding me. Do you even care? And we're all like, man, the disciples, good, good thing I'm not that bad. But actually, we say that all the time. You and I talk like that to God all the time. We say, God, do you even care? God, I've gone, I've gone to small group. I'm, I'm serving. I, I started tithing. Like, why? Why isn't my life better? Do you even care? I've done everything you've asked for me to do. God, you owe me. Do you even see me? Do you even care? And at that moment, Jesus gets up and Jesus doesn't say a word. And, and he gets up. And I imagine Jesus, the way I see him anyway, he gets up out of the bed and 
They're all sitting there, they're all mad, crying, soaking wet, been fighting a storm for hours, and Jesus is all dry and rested. And he sits up and he's probably like, walks up they're like oh no you know when like the parent doesn't talk it's worse you just want them to yell and Jesus is like walks up and then he sticks his he's he's on the boat boats going crazy he's got his sea legs under him and he says peace be still at that moment the whole storm completely stops the sun comes out, the waves stop, the wind stops, the, everything clear as day. It looked as if there had never been a storm. Can I tell you why Jesus was able to say that? You cannot speak what you don't have. Jesus is peace. And he's offering you to be wrapped and kept in perfect peace so that you can speak to the storm. But you can't give what you don't have. There's no spiritual credit line. It's you got to have it or you don't have it. And Jesus was able to speak to it and say peace. And a lot of times you and I, we're, we're trying to speak peace to something. But we don't have it. So we're trying behavior modification to get it. We're trying to do a couple of things a little bit better. We're trying to go to small group 23% more this semester. We're trying to, you know, we're telling God, hey, God, 10%, I mean, obviously it's crazy, right? How about two? God, I'm doing everything I can. Are we? Because what he said, he didn't say anything about modifying behavior. He said, know me. Know me. Fix your thoughts on things that point you to me. And then perfect peace will be yours. And when I started to get a hold of this revelation in my own life, it was when I made the decisions that I made of what will and won't be on my phone. It's, it was the decision I made about what I watch and don't watch. These things were destroying me and I didn't know and I, there was no peace in my life and I, I didn't know. And, we cover up our void of peace with a bunch of inspiration. And it looks like everything's okay. It feels like joy to people, but they're not sure. And you're able to skate past in conversations, but when you're alone, you know there's no peace. You will be kept in perfect peace when your mind is fixed on Him. And I'll just be very, can I be dead honest with you today? I know this truth. I believe this truth. But I've not always experienced this truth. This year has probably been one of the most difficult ministry years of our entire career. But at the same time, there's been this underlying peace that God is in control. And in previous years, it would have taken me out. But God has been working and there's this peace. He's holding everything in his almighty hands. He is in control. And it's about training our minds, not occasionally, training our minds every day. 
to think on him, to, to listen to him, starting out the first of the day by praising him and directing our thoughts towards him and ending our night with gratitude and writing out what we're grateful for that God did that day. The last few months and weeks we've experienced just in our own family and in our own life and not just work in the church, but a stretching and a strain unlike previous years. A couple weeks ago we were in our hometown and, and Kelly's grandmother's not doing so well. I'm looking at Mama and a woman I've been privileged to know for 24 years, lying there frail, in pain, hurting. And on, on top of that, family dissension hit a new level, amongst other things I will not go into. There wasn't a lot of peace to be found. You ever been there? There wasn't a lot of peace to be found. I, I was looking for it. <laughs> I was trying. But then I remembered all we have in those moments is praise. I can't do anything to fix all of that in the moment. I, I can't doctor fill my way through a family dinner and I can't make mama stand up and her legs no longer be broken. I can't do all of that, but what I can do is praise. And praise is different than prayer, by the way. We're gonna read that verse here in a minute, but I, I remember I was in the car and I was running to get something at the store for my parents and I began to thank God for the woman of faith that I knew that would take a little Kelly Bates to church every Sunday when no one else would. I began to remember a foundation of faith that was created in my wife that's so deep that it's affecting your life today. Begin to thank God for how, how deep these roots can go. Begin to thank God and the more, the more that I praised, the more peace came. And it's really easy to praise when things are great. It's really easy to sing, look what the Lord has done when you're like sitting on 122 grand when the goal was 50. You're like, oh, praise God. Look at what he has done, my God. But I sure didn't feel like praising when the building we were going after on Pat Booker got illegally stolen from us and we didn't have any money to pay a, an attorney to fight it. When we were about to walk into 27,000 square feet for $1.2 million, which if you don't know commercial stuff, 27,000 square feet is about $6 million. Seemed like a miracle, seemed like God, seemed like everything was lining up. All they needed, we were down to the wall, all they needed was my signature on a piece of paper. And man, I was having a hard time with that. That was in January of 2020. I was having a hard time with that. And I remember like coming up here and I'm like, hey, guys, everybody, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God, we're going to be all right. And I get in the truck. I'm like, what the heck? And Kelly got to like a faith place faster than me. And she was like, Lena, it's going to be all right. I'm like, get out now. Your title's pastor, not prophetess. You don't know. I get in the car and I'm cursing God, but I'm up here telling you it's going to be all right. Anybody else had moments like that where you're saying that to your kids and you go home and cry yourself to sleep because you don't know if you can go to H-E-B tomorrow? It's these moments where 
what do we do when there's no peace? And I didn't know that God was in the middle of all of that. Because right after all of that happened, we found out, TxDOT announced they're going to build a double-decker highway, and it would completely cover that building. It makes the building almost inaccessible. We had no idea that this land right here on the interstate was going to have a brand new exit that would dump out right at our land. We had no idea that we would be sitting on equity in a property day one. We had, at that time, we had no idea we'd be in this school. It's easy to look back and go, look what the Lord has done. But there were so many moments where I wish I had praised instead of fought. That's why reflection is so important. And if you're going through a time where you need peace, shalom, shalom will enter your heart the more you praise, the more you just thank God for what is there. Because there's more there than you think is there. If you're going through a time where you need peace or you're desperately desiring peace or experiencing loss or experiencing fear, Paul says this from a Roman prison while he's waiting for execution. He says in Philippians 4, do not be anxious about how much? Anything. And we're like, oh, easy for you to say, Paul. No, he was in jail waiting to be executed. And he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every diagnosis, in every financial strain, in every fight with your spouse, in every worry, in every, uh, every care, in everything you're going to go through. In, and, I, and I remember reading this verse uh, and preaching it to people, but then I'd read it when what we're going through as a church was starting to get to me. I'm like, really? How am I in every situation by prayer and petition? And I highlighted on these words right here because those are different. They're not the same Greek word. Those are different. If Paul wanted to say prayer, prayer, he would have said it. But this word here literally means gratitude out loud with music. So by worship and praise when you don't feel like it. Then, because gratitude comes before the ask. Then you petition God based on his promises. If you don't know him, you can't petition God based on his promises. So by prayer and praise and petition with gratitude we present our requests to God. So in the middle of a lack of peace, we will stand on the strength of our relationship with the Prince of Peace. When we don't feel like praising, we're going to make our hands go up anyway, and we're going to say, I don't get it. I don't know why they did that. I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know why the doctor said that. I'm not sure how I got here. I'm going to reflect and work on it, but God, right now, in this moment, I know that you are good, and your mercy is everlasting. Your truth endures forever, that your promises are yes and amen for me, that you're working all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose, that if you take care of a bird, you're going to take care of me, that you are the great physician, you are the healer, you are the provider, you are my sustainer, you are Jehovah Rapha, you are my banner, you are my provider. God, I have nothing that I need when I'm in you. So I'm not going to let this lack of peace, I'm going to fight for my peace by speaking out 
to the Prince of Peace by speaking out the promises, by speaking out praise, by making sure that the God of peace can enter the room. And I'm not going to let circumstantial happiness fake its way around and charade its way around like it's peace. It's not peace. My peace is not contingent upon all four tires staying aired up. My peace is not contingent upon my truck running all the time. My peace is not contingent upon perfect health. My peace, perfect peace, is contingent upon what my mind is fixed on. What is our mind fixed on? Do not be anxious about anything but by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And then the God of peace, the peace of God, which transcends our tiny brains. You cannot comprehend an infinite God with a finite brain. It's impossible. So for all of you left brain analysts, I love your brain. It's an incredible brain. We need your brain. But you will never be smarter than God and you'll never outthink him. You'll never know what he's up to next. There's no algorithm you can make to make God make sense. It's trust. It's trust. And for all of you right brain people that just would worship with banners if I gave them to you. You got to start learning scripture and not the latest worship song. You got to start knowing the promises so you can petition God based on what he wrote. And that will guard your soul and your mind in who? Christ Jesus. The world can't give this peace and the world can't take it away. Peace isn't found in the absence of heartache. It's not found in the void of disappointment. Peace is only found in the presence of God. Shalom, shalom will fill you, will cover you. Everybody go ahead and stand to your feet. In the band, you can go ahead and come on out. Prayer partners, go ahead and come on up. Everybody close your eyes and listen to these words. Cast all of your cares on him because he cares for you. Cast all of them on him. He's with you now. Everybody just close your eyes and just kind of get alone in this moment because he's with you right now. And maybe this word is for you. Jesus is the gift. He is the Prince of Peace. And you can't know peace unless you know the Prince of Peace. And today you can come to Jesus and you can come up to one of these prayer partners and you can tell them, hey, I need to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. I want to know the author of peace. I want to know Jesus. And they'll pray a prayer of faith with you and heaven will have a party and the devil will get a black eye. The Prince of Peace will then fill your life. Doesn't mean your problems go away, no, but now you've got a strength you didn't know you could ever have. And for others of you, you're missing peace and you know it. 
You're missing it. You need peace. You know you need peace. And my prayer is that you would experience in the middle of your fear, in the middle of your loss, in the middle of your sickness, you would experience God because He is good and He is peace. And I'm going to pray. And then when I'm done praying, we go into what's called response time and just about five minutes or so and the prayer partner line is open and the band's going to sing a medley of faith-filled choruses over you and communion's available on the sides of the room for you to come and and speak out loud that his, his blood has covered my sins, my sins are forgiven. This is a moment where we take the word and we respond to it. Don't let this moment go by where you don't let someone pray with you. If you've walked away from Jesus, this moment is your moment to take a step forward. God cannot levitate you to the altar. You have got to walk down here and say, I'm tired of living like this. I want, I want to experience peace in my life so let me pray for you pray over you and then the altar will be open I'm going to lift your hands to the Lord in this moment God in the middle of our loss in the middle of our anxiety in the middle of our frustration we know we know without a shadow of a doubt that you said in this world you will have trouble but that we can rejoice and take heart because you have overcome the world God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Prince of Peace. We thank you that there is a place called heaven where there's no more sickness, no more pain, no more worry, no more anxiety, no more depression. And we say right now that it would happen on earth as it is in heaven. And I pray that over these beautiful people today that the peace of God that transcends all human intellect and understanding would fill their hearts and minds and be guarded by Christ Jesus. That there's nothing we can do to gain our salvation. There's nothing we can do to gain peace in and of ourselves but focusing on the Prince of Peace. What, focusing on, on Him, what is lovely, admirable, <coughs> of good report. We focus on that today, God. God, I praise you. Give everyone courage in these next moments as they respond that they would break hell's back in this moment and that they would leave here with a sense of peace they've not known before and that the God of peace would fill their heart and mind in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. The altars are open. Come respond. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.